I just feel like an older gymnast um, many times has a desire to pass on part of the hard work they've done. You get that compassion side of teaching that there's a reason why that kid is doing that. I do feel like um, building confidence in children is huge in their future. You are listening to another episode of the We Are Tusk podcast, presented by Dover First Christian Church, where we meet interesting people from all around Tuscarawas County, and they tell us the stories that make us who we are. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the We Are Tusk podcast. As always, we are focused on meeting the people who give their lives to make Tuscarawas County a better place through their businesses and volunteer work. I'm sitting today with Gina Curran, the owner and founder of Adonai Fine Arts Center in New Philadelphia a center focused on helping kids develop their God-given talents in a fun and encouraging environment. Gina, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Thanks for having me. So we were talking a little bit before we started recording that you're big into music and uh, doing vocal coaching. So we always like to start with some icebreaker questions, make you feel a little bit more comfortable, let our, our audience get to know you a little bit. So tell me, what's your favorite song to sing as, as a vocal person? I think I would have to say He Loves Us um, is just an amazing song because it's so much God's heart. It's so much what we're about as you know, people and as a company that just people would know how much God truly loves them. It's a, a love beyond our comprehension. And so that's one of my favorite one of my favorite worship songs. I love a lot of music, but the folks at my church will tell you, you don't want to hear me sing. So I don't love to <laughs> sing any of them, but I love to hear it. So uh, that's better for everyone. And then the other thing you were telling me beforehand is that you spend a lot of time helping kids and youth group. And I'm, I'm an old youth minister, 16 years of working with kids. And there are all these like ridiculous games you play with kids and weird kind of trips that you take. Do you have a favorite place to go or favorite game maybe that you've played in that youth group setting? Well, we definitely love to take the kids to the skate rink. Unfortunately, we can't take them locally, but there is one um, over in Minerva that we've been able to take the kids to. They really love that. Um, my husband's kind of a creative genius with all of the different creative games that they play. I think one of them the kids really got a kick out of was wrapping up eggs yeah. in bubble wrap and then having a contest to see who could just try to destroy their egg. But mo the goal was to be the one who didn't destroy the egg, you know. <laughs> um, so they were throwing them off of high places, trying to see if their egg survived or not. And so yeah, it's pretty fun. So one of the things for people who've never been around that is the, the ridiculous games that come out in youth group. And like Facebook will periodically remind me with a picture of some game that we played 12 years ago. And I'll look at the picture and go, what were we even thinking? Like, who thought that was a good idea? We had a lot of fun that night, but who thought that was a good idea? So right. it's, it's amazing some of the weird things that come out of that, that setting and dynamic. Uh, again, Gina here is the founder and owner of Adonai Sports Center. And uh, you've been doing this for a long time, teaching dance and uh, gymnastics to folks. Uh, talk a little bit about kind of how you got started. I loved hearing uh, the stories about being overseas and using dance instruction that way. So why don't we start there? Okay, sure. I was very blessed to be able to be involved in missions in most of the 90s. Uh, I lived in Asia. I was based in Singapore. I was able to do um, a lot of outreach, both with you know, one-on-one -on -one Bible studies, group events, activities, as well as take kids into other countries, utilizing the arts to share the gospel. And that was just an awesome way to communicate with language barriers. So I, I really enjoyed that. I yeah. Well, and the, the, the dance is amazing how it like supersedes any language barrier. You mm -hmm. can even think back, maybe the first time you saw the Nutcracker, that you thought, I'm going to watch this whole thing and there are no words. How am I going to know what's going on? How am I going to know? And then you get, in, you get into the, the progression. You're like, this is one of the most moving, powerfully emotional moments 
because dance has that ability to bring to life things absolutely without any language being used yeah with drama puppetry dance all of those things i i have great memories of teaching a group of 45 indian women and men in india how to do hip-hop and they loved it they were teenagers they absolutely loved it and it was just awesome because it just transcends culture you know of course our hip-hop is very i mean it's hip-hop but it's also clean hip-hop you know <laughs> so um but they just were thrilled for the opportunity That's to get amazing. to learn some of those moves i hope you have video footage of that somewhere i wish i did but that was back in the day when videos weren't as common and <laughs> i have it in my mind i that, wish i could replay it that's amazing so let's talk about how you got started. How did you first fall in love with the arts? When did that occur for you uh, as a kid? Really, I sang in church ever since I was a little girl. We went to a small country church, and they were just wonderful about letting the children participate. And I just had a love for singing. That was just my thing from very young. And, you know, I always, I, I was real shy, actually, when I was very little. So it's kind of ironic how much I've been involved in drama, but... Um, I just had a real passion for dancing and for singing. I remember dancing around our living room with 45s playing of cool songs, you know, from our parents' day. And, and I loved that. And our parents, you know, allowed that and were good at fostering that in us. So I just had that in my heart from very young and watched God unfold that, you know, through grade school and then into high school, being involved in dance teams as well as obviously dance classes and such since I was a child then went into college as a music major and studied music as my degree. So obviously there was lots of opportunity to use the arts there too. So how did a shy young kid fall in love with performing on stage? Like what, what was it about being on stage that just attracted you when in the rest of life you were kind of shy and didn't really want to be seen? Honestly, I don't think I've ever fallen in love with being on stage. I think <laughs> I've always fallen in love with being able to sing to God. Like just knowing that I would have courage because of him. That was a major factor for me, even in college as a music major. I mean, I would nearly be sick before performance classes. I mean, it was bad. <laughs> and it was always a reliance that the Lord, I think, stretched me to, to trust him to just step out, even if I felt nervous or insecure that he was greater than my insecurities. And that's really what I want to do with the kids here at Adonai is help them see that it's really not about them. It's about their willingness to give their gift to God. And he can do great things with it. Even if they don't feel maybe that confident, it'll grow in them. They'll have a peace. They'll learn to have a strength. And yes, of course, some of them love the stage. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But it's, it's great when they can really encompass that God has a bigger plan for any gift we have, whether it's in technology or the arts, it can be used. And so when it's surrendered, it becomes greater. It becomes more powerful. And that's really what I grasped very young, that it was okay. Like it was like me and Jesus singing together, you know, and I, I felt a confidence with that. It sounds to me a lot like your personal experience kind of became the foundation for your philosophy here because you talk a lot about and your promotional stuff helping kids discover their gifts, learning to use their gifts, finding that confidence that they may not have. And like some of that was maybe your journey growing up mm -hmm. and you're passing that on then to students as they come in. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the reality is uh, kids in general, they all have talent. They just haven't had a chance to figure out what it is a lot of times. The parents, thankfully, are, are you know, thinking ahead and allowing them to have the experience to come and try things. And that allows us to kind of open the can with a can opener and just say, okay, this kid's going to try dance. Then they're going to try, you know, the parents are open, 
we'll get to it eventually. And sometimes it's not something that we offer here and we bless them. We encourage them to go try things that, you know, are their strong, strong area, you know. And so, you know, sometimes we don't unfold the gift being in specifically what we offer, but we still are giving them a chance to try, giving them a chance to just step out, do things, see if they like it or not. I think that's an interesting philosophy because one of the things I noticed as we were preparing for our chat was, you know, a lot of times you'll find a gymnastic studio or a dance studio. It's unusual to see all of the things that you offer in one place. So did that just come from wanting to give kids choices? What led to we're going to offer all of these things under one roof? Yeah, I really believe that's that's exactly it. I, as a child, you know, money was tight growing up, and so we didn't get a chance to try everything, you know, at once, so to speak, and we had to go to different places. And so when the idea came to start this, I just thought, you know, I want kids to be able to try several different areas, and they work well together because we do productions. So like our drama kids will do acting in between the dance segments or the gymnastic segments and it helps it be a full production with a message versus just you know song after song after song so it's more interesting too for the parents but it's allowing those drama kids those music kids all of them to get plugged in in different ways that's really cool so you grew up doing this performing being on stage you've now transitioned into teaching what's the difference for you from kind of an experience do you prefer the being the one who gets to, to perform and puts in the work, you prefer teaching. Uh, maybe we should break that down even. What What is kind of your favorite part of the singing and performing, and what is your favorite part of teaching? Well, I would say my favorite part of the teaching is truly just seeing the excitement in kids. When they learn, they can do something they didn't think they could. You know, watching them take those advancing steps is just really exciting as a teacher. And honestly, that is my personality. Like, I love to see kids take those steps. I love to push a little bit that teacher side of, come on, like, you got this in you. Let's do it. And then I love to see the result when they've come through to the other side. And then they're ready for the next skill. Like, there's just a something in my heart that is very exciting, you know, and it's just a natural love for teaching, I think. As far as the performance and and that side of it goes, it's, again, I'm excited to see the kids get to perform, you know, so I do, I love to sing, I I feel, I I enjoy doing worship at my church and and, and helping lead that, we're working on developing a worship team right now because it's a smaller church, and we love it, and there's wonderful people there, but it's just an area that they haven't had anybody to help with that, so it's, again, it's at a teaching side of helping people learn but i think there's just power in worship i think we have our answer to the question that you you prefer the teaching because you don't consider most of what you do performing you consider it to be an act of worship and so you're you're not ever really performing so you teach and you worship uh but but performance is not really a part of it well you know i like jokes with the next person you know like (laughs) i i get a kick out of being in groups of friends and you know kidding around and we might make up I mean, we made up crazy stuff in college, you know, during our studies, like just having fun together. I think that's okay too, that God gave us a sense of humor. And, and I love that side of the comedy and the performance side of that, just making people laugh and enjoying time together. So I'm not going to say I never perform because you definitely do that when you're with your friends. You know what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. So for anyone who's listened this far into the episode, what's become clear is obviously your faith plays a very important role in who you are. Uh, and obviously here in the business, even the name Adonai uh, is a recognition of that. So tell me, how does your faith play out here and what you do at Adonai? 
you know, our goal is to love families, love them where they're at, whether they believe in God, whether they've, you know, got a beef with God, whether they have never really had the chance. We just want them to know that we care about them. We care about their kids. You know, we're part of the community. We want to see these kids be a positive um, impact in their computer, in, in the community, just because, you know, a lot of times kids who are active in events are going to be more productive in community. They're going to think about others. They're going to be a part of a group. They're going to understand that. So there's a side of me that wants to um, see them be able to mature into thoughtful citizens. But also there's a part of me that wants them to know that there's something greater about this life. It's not just walking through every day. And so, you know, we do sleepovers, we do productions, we do, well, we don't do sleepovers right now due to COVID. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, whatever we do, we try to also in that let them know that God loves them and he wants a relationship with them personally. It's just incorporated, I think, throughout what we do. Our productions are definitely something like what many people have never seen. I mean, our goal is to lift up God in our productions, not just do a show. And so um, it's neat to see the kids get the chance to the drama kids get to do the acting and share a story and share a challenge. You know, it's not like a church service or anything like that. That's not our intention. But our intention is to, to recognize that God created the arts and God is the one who gives us life and breath and what we have, we want to offer back. And so our productions are definitely very unique. And a lot of times the parents are like, wow, I really enjoyed that because it goes like a storyline. Yeah. You know, it is a show. It is a actual production versus just a recital. But, and, you know, we a lot of times in church we talk about what it means to be made in God's image. And one of the things that we, we forget or don't talk about enough is God's a creative God. And so to be to be like him or to be made like him is to be creative in whatever form that looks, whether it's painting or it's dancing or it's mm -hmm. music or it's technology, Absolutely. but we're made to, to create as he created. And so glorifying with that, recognizing that in what you do is, is really, really cool. Um, you talked a little bit about how you hope that what you do here helps them become productive, mature citizens. Do you find that the work you do here in terms of helping kids maybe conquer some fears and learn new skills, gain confidence, helps them in other areas of their life? Is that something that you see unfold? Absolutely. We've had many students. I mean, I've been doing this long enough now that I have students bringing me their kids, you know, so I'm a grandma and, you know, I, I get to see that side of things. I do feel like um, building confidence in children is huge in their future and not a confidence to be cocky, but a confidence to know that I can step out. I can try. I, I can do this just like my neighbor can do this and to not be afraid or intimidated especially as our culture has got so much media and so much of the tablets and the iPads and the, you know, kids are not interacting in some ways in, as much as they used to. You know, we didn't have that option. We had to be creative and play. And, you know, I'm not saying parents don't make their kids do some of that, but I'm just saying it's maybe not a second nature to them. And I feel like being in a community class, being in a community dance class, being in a drama group, those are allowing them to develop good social skills, too. And I think that we've seen a lot of our kids. We have an internship program where when some of the older teens, you know, help um, get trained in and help with some of the simpler spotting and things like that. That's amazing. That's they're learning. Yeah, it's, it's helping them develop not just skills as a potential teacher, 
but it's helping them learn how to treat a job. You know, you don't call off for a hangnail. You know, you <laughs> you got to treat this like you were hired in. And once you prove yourself, then you will be next to be hired in. And so it, it creates a sense of responsibility and learn those skills. But they've never had, you know, a lot of kids haven't had to learn that before. They've never worked a job. So it's just a gentle way and a fun way for them to learn some of that responsibility. And it's really neat to see how these older teens just look at these little ones and really care for them. And they want to help. They have a desire to learn how to be a good role model. There's so much in what you said there that I'm going to try to remember to ask all the questions that popped in my mind as you were talking. I love you talking about confidence because I think one of the key things to helping young people become successful is to know that one, it's okay to fail. And two, you can get back up and do it again. And I think that resiliency and that initiative sometimes is missing. So how do you see what you do here with gymnastics and dance really addressing that idea of it's okay to fail or try it. You're not going to be good at it the first time. And then somewhere down the road, you're going to be able to succeed. How do you see that kind of playing out with a student who comes here? Oh, we, we see that on a daily basis because literally gymnastics itself, the first thing you do at beam is teach kids how to fall. <laughs> like you, you talk to them about it, then you put them on the beam, then you teach them how to fall. And, you know, that's a big part of, and even in our dance classes as well, but especially in gymnastics, you've got to teach them that it takes trying 50 times sometimes before you get it, but you keep pressing in. You do not, you do not stop. You do not turn back. You keep working at it. And, you know, you get some that it's harder for some kids to press in than others, but in general, most of them respond well and will keep you know, responding as long as we keep giving them that push to don't give up, keep trying. And then we have actually a bell in our gym that when you get a skill that you've never done before, you get to ring the bell and the entire gym stops and claps. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's a really cool idea. One of my teacher friends um, actually gave me her. She used to own a gym. And I'm like, that is awesome because we used to do prize basket where they could get a prize out of the you know, the basket. And they loved that too. We still do some of that, but I love the bell because it's an immediate recognition of like, they just did this and everybody stop and recognize them. And that's such an important life skill because so much of life is you have this hard thing in front of you that maybe you can't do the first time, or maybe you can't do by yourself, or maybe you can't do without some training and either you can give up and quit or you can keep pushing. And if you can create young people who know how to hit that obstacle, figure out a way to get through it, find the right resources, get the right training, you've now set them up for a much more successful life than they would have had otherwise. Absolutely. So the other thing that you talked about there is I love you talking about the older students coming back and working with the younger kids. Why do you think there's such an attachment between those students who've maybe been through and now they're 15 or 16 and the four and five year olds who are coming in and just getting started? Why do you think that connection is so deep? Well, I think they have a, a genuine concern and care for the children knowing that it is some hard work you know there's a side of them that loves just seeing the you know kids in that four to six year old range are just too much fun I mean like they you never know what they're going to say what they're going to do like the surprise of that but learning how to relate well with them and explain things I just feel like an older gymnast um, many times has a desire to pass on part of the hard work they've done you know they they have ownership they feel like, hey, this, there's a good thing here, and these people really will help you. Let me show you. We, we can help you get through that. You know, I think that's developed in them, and then it helps them pass their confidence on to the next generation. You know? And again, I just hear that through the lens of what a beautiful life skill you're teaching them, that once you've accomplished it, that's not the end. It's not, it's not enough just to accomplish something on your own, but to achieve that and then turn around and see the people coming behind you and want to help them get to where you are 
is, you know, you talk about making good, productive citizens. That's what every community needs. It's what every church needs is folks who are concerned about the people who are coming behind them. And I love that you're teaching them that at such a young age. Yeah, and I think also as they do that internship, you know, they get a little more insight, too, to understand that, you know, many children that come through our doors, um, they may be being raised by a grandparent or only have one parent in their home. And they may have some situation or circumstance that's really difficult, that's really depleted their little spirits. I mean, they obviously the person who's brought them loves them enough to say, hey, we need to build them up. We want to get them somewhere we can help encourage this child. But I think that it helps the teenagers to understand, too, not every kid has the home with mom and dad and, and, you know, regular bedtimes and, and just a, a nurturing environment. Some kids have had to go through some pretty hard things. And so for them to keep working hard, to keep trying, giving up has been what they've known. So it's, it's a harder battle for a child that's coming with, you know, some emotional needs and teaching those kids that compassion too, to realize every kid's different. And we've just got to ask God for wisdom and, you know, seek him out to help us be the best teacher we can. And sometimes there are behavior issues that you're like, why would a child do that? But at the same time, <laughs> you get that compassion side of teaching that there's a reason why that kid is doing that. And yeah. so I think that's a great learning experience for the older um, teens and even the staff. I have to sometimes remind them, you know, hey, there's just more to the story and we want to love on that kid and just help help them gain that confidence through it, help them push through because we don't know what every certain situation is every child's unique and every child's been through different things and obviously they have someone in their life that loves them enough to bring them and we're thankful for that but we also don't know what all they've walked through in their life and by the way that's just a good rule for living that whether it's a kid or an adult who is acting in whatever way you think is strange unless you know everything that has happened to them and everything that has happened around them it's probably not a good idea to judge or to write them off until you have that ability to show them love. Because even as adults, we carry scars and baggage from things that have been done to us and said to us. Everybody's got kind of that in their life. And so learning to have that compassion is so important. Absolutely. And so let's get back a little bit to the center here. At what point, so you were doing mission work, uh, you were coming back and speaking at churches. At what point did you go, you know what, I think what I really want to do is open my own art and gymnastics studio. Do you want to know the honest answer to that? I, I do want to know the honest answer to that. <laughs> well, I had been speaking at a lot of churches. I had been overseas in missions, and I really had a desire to go back to Asia for long-term ministry. And there was it just seemed like all of a sudden I was hitting walls. Like it just wasn't working out, and I couldn't understand what was going on, and I just was really spending a lot of time praying and asking God, you know, I want to do whatever I'm going to be most effective at. Like however I can share Jesus and his love with the most people is what I want to do with my life. And so I went through kind of a, everything I did seemed to kept plopping me back in Ashland, Ohio. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, God, am I missing something? Like, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? And I am not kidding you. I was sitting praying in church one day and I literally heard a voice tell me, go talk to the gymnastics lady downtown and start a dance program. And I was like, okay, did that just really happen? Like, I mean, there was nobody around me. It was a voice. You might think I'm crazy. Please don't call. You know, But I'm just saying that is literally what I, I haven't had that experience much in my life. But I heard that and I was like, OK, I don't know this lady, but sure, I'll call her. So I called her. And in the first meeting we had, she said, I would love for you to start a dance program. She said, actually, I love doing what I'm doing, but I'd be glad to sell out. 
She said, really? I would, yeah, in the very first meeting I ever had with her, she said, I'd love to just teach for someone else. I enjoy teaching, but the business and keeping up, she'd done it for 15 years and she was just tired. And she's like, I love the kids. I love what I do, but I'd be okay with that if you want to talk further. And so at that point, God put it in my heart about doing a Christian-based facility where I didn't take hers over. I bought out her equipment and hired her. It was a two-year process because she was a um, well-established college competitive gymnast, great training. You know, I had a lot of background in dance and tumbling, and she just literally, like, for two years just poured into me, just raising me up in all of the gymnastics world, which was awesome. Truly enjoyed that. Then she taught for me for 15 years once I started my company. But it, it gets even better than that because I went and talked to her. I knew I wanted to do this. I talked with the lawyer and set, told him how I wanted to set it up, wanted it to be called Ad and I. But I needed to go talk then to the landlord to find out what the rent would be, you know, get things set up. And my first meeting with this landlord, who I didn't know, I had met one time and shook his hand, says to me, well, have you ever thought about a silent business partner? And I was like, I don't know, what's a silent business partner? I mean, at that point, I had no clue. And he was like, well, somebody who would pay for all your expenses to get this started. He said, I'm proposing that I pay all your expenses for your upfront fees. I give you two years with no rent, and I'll be a 50-50 silent partner. And I'm like, well, that sounds really good. Let me pray about that, and I'll call you back. So I had talked with him. I'd met with him. And I literally, when I came home from missions, I mean, I was substitute teaching. I mean, I was living on a very simple budget. And yeah, the, so, the, mission, the mission field doesn't pay well. You weren't getting wealthy no. working in Indonesia. <laughs> no. And so basically I was like, God, you know, this kind of seems really good here. You know, I mean, the guy was offering me the equivalent of $28,000. He doesn't even know me. And so I prayed about it, talked with a couple of business people that I know. And I just went back to him and said, hey, as long as you understand I, I'm not just teaching kids. I'm teaching kids to know also that God loves them and has a plan for their life. As long as you're cool with that, I'm good with this. And he was like, like I said, silent partner. And I was like, okay. So he literally flew the doors open from me having not even a dime to start it. I didn't even know how I was going to do that, but I knew I was supposed to. So he really opened the doors beautifully for that to happen in Ashland. And I was there for 16 years. Um, and that's actually in a buyout now. But the new Philly one, it was similar when I felt like we were supposed to start here. I, I met my husband. We got married. He kept pushing me. Why don't you start one here? Start one here. And I was like, I don't know. That's going to be a lot of work trying to do two of them. And so I finally gave in. And it was just so cool, like, because within the first month, I mean, we had enough students to get things going. God gave us favor with the landlord to give us discounted rent at first. But it's just, it's exciting when you see provisions like that, because we've always tried to keep our prices where the average family could come. You know, we don't, we do scholarships and children for sure, but we've always tried to keep our pricing where we knew it wasn't excluding, you know, children from homes that might just be, just be making it. Because that's what I was, when I was a kid, my parents were scraping to send us to extra things, you know. So you are at 20 years now. Now, is that just the, the original studio up in Ashland, or is it 20 years here in New Philly? 20, 21, actually. We're almost at 21 here. Um, but the New Philly one opened in 2011, so we're almost at 10 years. Okay. Yeah. So what's yeah. it been like trying to own and operate both of those businesses? Well, it was really rough when I had to worry about that. I When I was doing both, it, I would have sometimes five to 600 children of bookkeeping, you know, just to keep up with, let alone all the teachers, all the staff, all the... 
So it's definitely been a blessing that this one grew so fast here in New Philly. Well, I have to ask, what made you decide, because you're from Ashland originally, or at least that's where you were born, what made you decide to keep this one as opposed to the one up there? Well, mainly because I married my husband, who's from New Philly. Okay, and he won? (laughs) Well, he... You know, he would have been supportive either way, but it was just tiring because I'd still have to drive back and forth if I kept that one. But, you know, honestly, we'd established ourselves in the community here and it was just it was just natural uh, to keep the one here. Yeah. So what do you like about owning and operating a business here in kind of the Tuscarawas County area? He's kind of an outsider who moved in and set up shop. What's your experience been? It's been really good. I mean, we've had a lot of wonderful support. I haven't gotten to do as much as I would like to with downtown as far as like getting involved in the all the different business opportunities and networking. I, I haven't really had time for that, but I, I think it's great that they have the Chamber of Commerce and, you know, they're working. We'll, we'll every now and then get an invite to something and we may jump in on that, but I, I just love the people here. Like, it's just been a real open reception. I feel like there's always been support, even when we had to move this summer just the number of families that stepped up and helped. There's just a very giving nature, I feel like, in this area that people are just very embracing and glad to have people here working with their children. So did I correctly see that you sent a team to the national tournament in 2019? Yes. And what was that? What kind of led to that? And what was that experience like? Was that a first time thing doing that? That was. um, You know, we have been involved in a league out of Columbus for... I think 15 years ago and it's been a great um, thing for our kids because it gives them the chance to focus on excelling personally and then we do the championship once a year but now that we're getting older gymnasts and kids that have that desire to compete a little bit more and get placed against other kids the nationals was a great extra option so we joined the AAU sports league and that's who offers those national competitions and that's been a healthy good thing unfortunately Due to COVID, we've only gotten to go to one so far. Yeah. We do plan to continue to offer that for our gymnast. But, it, you know, it gave another level um, to strive for and a, a new thing for our, some of our gymnasts that are, you know, now getting pretty high in skill level and enjoy the, the competition side of it. It's just been a good outlet for them. So we hope to be able to do that. I'm not sure they're going to have one this year. Yeah, who knows but, what's going to happen. We're, we're recording this in January. Right. And, you know, I... Every day I have a conversation with someone from my church about what we're doing and how we're doing it. And they're just, no one has any idea what the right answers are. And we're just doing the best we can right now. Exactly. So, so if someone wanted to, to get involved here with Adonai, I'm going to give you a chance to do a little bit of a commercial. What are some of the services that you offer here specifically? I mean, we've talked about gymnastics and dance and drama kind of loosely, but what are the programs that someone can be a part of here? We have music lessons and piano and voice. I do teach those. Uh, We also, our drama group um, does our production annually, but also different events. Sometimes churches invite our kids in. Praise and worship dancing is a wonderful opportunity. Um, Some families may prefer that style of dance only. And, you know, with the gymnastics, we have both recreational and competitive. So kids that just want the physical fitness, they just want to get out and have fun. They can do that here. But there's also opportunity to compete if they would like to do that. Um, Cheerleading, we have a cheer squad, and it gets them really ready for joining a junior high and high school cheer squad. Well, Gina, thanks for joining me and for uh, spending a little bit of time with me. It was fun to get to hear your story. Yes, well, thank you for having me. It's definitely a privilege.
As always, my name is Josh Robinson. I'm your host. I'm the lead minister up at Dover First Christian Church, and I just enjoy getting to hear people's story. If you know someone who might be a good interview subject for a future episode, please reach out to me at the wearetuskpodcast at gmail.com. Again, wearetuskpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll reach out to them to book them for a future episode. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to another episode of the We Are Tusk podcast, presented by Dover First Christian Church.